Welcome to my so-called opera life, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers, where we work to connect, inform, empower, and inspire musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Each episode, we'll explore a piece of the never-ending puzzle of the so-called opera life, humble brags and therapeutic complaints, as well as practical information about how this business works. Each piece helping you on your journey towards success, which we believe should really mean happiness. I'm Marcel. And I'm Elise. And we're two sopranos trying to live our best so-called opera lives. I have heard so much about you from Marcel, and I would love to just like, let us tell you a little bit about yourself and, and where you're even coming from. Where are you right now? I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So... Uh, the good old dear Midwest, <laughs> right? Um, uh, I actually, I grew up in Nebraska. And so I have a lot of, uh, I grew up in Omaha, but Omaha is like this weird place that's half a million people, but you know, everybody, like it's a very small town vibe. Oh. And, you know, and then there's like cornfields, like you go, like I lived in West Omaha. And so there was cornfields like right across the street from me. And that was like farm Nebraska. We were like the edge of Omaha. And so we knew everybody. And uh, so that's where I grew up. And Minnesota is a lot. Uh, the Twin Cities aren't quite the same, but uh, you get a little bit further out and it's like the same, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, like this city is so big and it's, uh, I moved here, I moved to Minnesota because my family's here. My, my grandma lives about four hours north of me and my mom moved up here, sold the house in Omaha and moved up here. Um, and so I, I I moved up here for them, but also because I always knew that number one, I'm a Vikings fan. So I have to, (laughs) I have to live in my city. Like I, my first outfit was a Bobby Smith Jersey. Like I was never not going to be a Vikings fan. That's hysterical. Um, yeah. Thanks mom. Thank you for, for, uh, rooting for the losing team every year. It is my favorite. Um, so, uh, moved here because of a Vikings fan, but also because I knew that the twin cities were, uh, and are a place that there is literally a choir on every corner. And I grew up in children's choirs. And so it's always been a huge part of my life. I went to Luther, which is a big, a big choral school, uh, not so much of the soloistic, but obviously that is there. Uh, and I knew that I needed to be in a place where choir was, choir was here, but there were opportunities to do everything else. And it is such a strange and wonderful uh, conglomerate of all of these wonderful artists. And, uh, because we have Minnesota opera, we get to be around a lot of people from around the world. And that is that I just love it. That's, that's, that's why I'm here. (laughs) So what what did you do pre apocalypse and what are you doing post? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I'm actually, I'm, I feel really grateful because I am one of the people that really has uh, grown during the pandemic. Um, And so I haven't really, like, my life hasn't changed that much. If anything, it has just gotten busier and I've been in more things. Um, So pre, pre everything, uh, as of like last September, actually, I was working a muggle job. I was working at a clinic and I was teaching for a studio. And then I have my own private studio as well, because 
why not? Mm-hmm. And uh, what else was I doing? I was doing a whole bunch of other things, but I can't remember what they were. Uh, and I, I ended up leaving that clinic job, like kind of fake leaving. I was like, I'll be on call. I won't actually quit because I can't say no to people. I know. And, Definitely and, done that. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's like one of those things where they were like, well, but Tara, like we, we really, we need you to train people. And that's, that's my love. Like, that's where I come from is the teaching. I love to teach people and I love to influence people with my music, but through that is the teaching portion of it. And so I will forever be a mentor, coach, teacher, whatever. I like, that is no question in my mind. So uh, I was realizing though, that this clinic job was just, is taking so much energy that I wasn't being paid for. And I really wanted to be there for my students um, because I had 30 students at the time and I was Mm. still working 20 hours a week at this, at this clinic job. Um, So I quit that last September and then um, last February, not last February, but like literally. Right. I know. Right. Which is like mostly 30 years ago. Um, (laughs) So in February, I, uh, I had been with an organization uh, as a performer called Thursday Musical that's here. And the president, uh, there was a job position that opened up the operations manager position. And the president was like, I really need you to apply. We really need like a younger person, a person that knows the ins and outs of music. And I was like, I know nothing, but sure, I'll apply. Great. I'll apply. And so of course I get this position because the president, like I come highly recommended by the president. And then I also got an admin position with out of the box opera. So I worked with them um, very part-time. So that was the moment where I was like, okay, officially the clinic jobs got to go completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of the situation I was in entering the pandemic, Mm -hmm. which was I'm working a studio job. I have my own private studio and then I had these two admin positions and through the pandemic the studio job uh all the red flags of a studio job that are pretty common out there started cropping up and I was losing students from the studio but gaining students in my private studio and so I just decided bye I can't like I can't if you're not going to advocate for me which is literally the only reason I'm working for you I have no interest in being here anymore right and so I left that and uh, that was the end of, duh, no, it was July 10th was my last day. And uh, so now today I am still working those two admin jobs. I um, and sort of, I've rebranded a little bit to encompass more of the teaching teachers how to run their own studio. So it's not overwhelming, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's, that's where I'm shifting to right now, but I have a full studio of, 20 some people and I'm working these admin jobs and that's, that's what I'm doing now. So pretty much the same. (laughs) That's awesome. But on your terms now, which is great. Right. Sometimes it takes a little while, but we get, we hopefully get there. Right. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Exactly. That's something that I, I had denied for so long. Like when I was little, like, you know, my parents both had their businesses and side businesses, but I always knew that that was something that I wanted to have. And I was just like, Tara, what have you been doing for the last five years of your life? Like, just, just do it, you know, no better time than a pandemic right? <laughs> to be your own boss, <laughs> to be your own boss and hopefully make some money. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so I got introduced to you through social media 
Well, that's mostly where I interact with you, mm-hmm. um, you know, because Philadelphia and Minnesota are, are not close to one another at all. Correct. <laughs> no, I have never been there. I have Don't never been here. either. I mean, well, okay, come here, come here during the winter, not, well, not during the winter, don't come here during the winter, unless you're coming to southern Minnesota, which is beautiful in the winter, Uh, but if you come here in the summer, go up to one of the resorts in northern Minnesota, and it's, it's beautiful, we, we call it God's country, it's just, it's worth every minute up there. Awesome. Um, and so, you know, met you on, met you in air quotes, um, on social media, and, um, you know, continue to follow you very closely just because I felt so like immediately, like I was part of this little community you were trying to cultivate on your social media. Um, and also like felt like, oh, here's someone who's like talking really vulnerably on their social media about like their work and how that intersects with their personal life and intersects with their, you know, especially recently their, um, mm-hmm. activism mm-hmm. and, in a way that feels really balanced and authentic. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us struggle with that. I know I struggle with that. It's like, oh, I have to put up this perfect image on my, on my social media, but my really like bluntly honest self like hates it and won't, it doesn't really want to do it. Um, and so like, I'd really love to know, like, how did you, how did you start to like create this brand if we're going to use social media language and like, how, how have you, how have you managed to do this? Yeah. Like, how do you strike that balance? Well, firstly, thank you so much because that actually like really makes me cry. <laughs> like, that's uh, so kind. And uh, the, the idea of creating community is the biggest driver in, you know, it is the thing that keeps me going. It is the reason that I teach. It is the reason that uh, I left the studio, you know, like it is, it's everything is creating community anywhere that I go. And people, that's something that people notice about me in person is that, you know, this happened last year, but we had a, I have a pasta party every year in March, which didn't happen because pandemic. Um, But last year I had this pasta party and there were you know, there are about 15 people and every color of skin was in this, in this house. And they were sitting at the table and it was like the most open racial discussion that I think I've ever been a part of. Mm -hmm. And that is so important for me as an activist and for me as a person to be able to inspire that and inspire comfort in those spaces and it's the same thing in the virtual space. So I think where the intersection of the personal and the activism combined with the business uh, is the idea that I was taught as a child that that had to be me, Um, that that I was the pillar and the gateway. I was the pillar for the trauma of my African-American family. And I knew those stories and I, I tell them, you know, but I was also the gateway for a lot of white people to come through the door uh, and have that conversation because I look white. And although people recognize there's something a little bit different about me, uh, it was easier for them to talk to me and so when I was creating, you know, sort of the, the branding side of it and the, the social media side of it, the, 
the openness is really important to me. And of course I don't show everything. Social media is like what 1% of your life, 10% of your life, whatever you choose to show. Um, it is very important to show up and have those conversations that nobody else wants to have. And when I was looking at creating this and sort of cultivating an area that people could come to and be like, I don't know how to talk about this. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how to get to the Small Business Association's website. I don't know how to start a business without capital. I don't know how to teach. I don't know how to show up for my students that I already have, you know, those kind of questions. It's like, why can't we talk about it? Why can't we have these conversations with each other in this space, right? Like we have this space that connects the world. So why aren't we able to bring everything that we are to that space to create the community? Um, and I view it as, you know, especially the personal, I feel like a lot of people get hung up on this idea of like, well, there's your business life and there's your personal life. Mm -hmm. I just say, throw that idea, like right out the window. If, especially if you are a singer, uh, a performer, a creator, a, uh, a business person, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, um, your business is your life, right? If you are a musician, music is your life. So instead of trying to separate them, what if you integrate them? Mm. What if you put them together? So like my husband takes guitar lessons and that's enough, right? That's enough for me, for him to show up on my Instagram, playing his guitar really badly <laughs> sometimes, you know, and, but he loves it. And, and that is where, you know, he comes into that idea. And my dogs are like, like Moose, he attends every lesson. You know, he is the brightest little musical dog that I've ever seen. He just <laughs> lays in the corner, right? And that's, that, that is important to have that integration of social media because when we just see uh, the salesy tactic, right? Like, mm -hmm. and we see the, oh, I've got, I'm performing here, but we never see, hey, I'm Tara. You know, hey, I want to sit down with you and I want to tell you that I'm having a hard time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if we never see that other side, we're not going to come to your performance. So it is so important to have that integration there because no like, and trust that is like the platform of marketing, no like, and trust. And so people have to feel that way. Um, and you know, I know a lot of people are like, ah, oh, but Terry, you're so authentic. You just show everything. And I'm like, I just, I don't know. That's just a, that's a quality of being an eight. You just show up. Yes, you're an Enneagram person. Yes, Enneagram 8. Yes, I'm like, I just show up and I bulldoze the whole thing. I'm like, I don't care. You're a Leslie, nope. Yes, yes. I just, I don't know. It's just who I am. It's just what I do. And I think everybody can do it. It's just, it's the same thing as performing a piece that means a lot to you, right? You have to show up and be vulnerable. And and people respond to that vulnerability far more than they're going to respond to, hey, I'm in this show with this company and they don't yeah. know anything about you, right? Right. Yeah, this is so great. I'm so excited because I've been talking to Marcel for probably like since we started this podcast, like, and I personally struggle, like I don't love social media because I don't love the, the fakiness that I mm -hmm. feel and like, I'm always like, look at all those people's Facebook pages or even like being critical of my own. And I'm wondering like when you go to, the, the thing that I 
that happens sometimes for me is like, you're curating this post, right? You're like creating, you're typing it out. You're, it's an act that takes time. And so like the thought that goes through your mind, are there like questions or like, do you have like a goal with your posts? So I have been working with Fiona Flight uh, in her Profitable Performer group. And so right now, yes, my social media feed, uh, and I'm sure Marcel, you've seen this, that it, it has been a very strict shift to this is branded content. And although I am still saying what I want to say with my tone of voice, it is very much like this is what a personal brand is. This is why you need it. This is the reason you need to be inspired by yourself. This is how you do it, right? So it is very much that way. Previous to that and previous to George Floyd's murder, my content was really just, I want to lift people up. And that is something that I didn't accept in my brand for a really long time was this idea of joy. And when, uh, when the pandemic happened and we were all trapped in our houses and like, and then George Floyd was murdered and then we heard about Brianna and then it was just, it was so much. And I realized, you know, something that we don't uh, think enough about or share enough about is black joy and biracial joy. And so that is something that I always want in my content. And so when I'm creating content, when I sit down and I caption write, um, a lot of times I'm prepping content like way before I release it, right? But like yesterday's post, for instance, that was, I sat down, I said, this is my goal of the post and uh, I'm gonna create it in this time span, right? So it took me about 30 minutes because I have a brand. Um, and I set my goal, which was, okay, I want to tell people that branding can streamline your life because I think a lot of people are like, branding is really complicated. Like, I don't, I don't see myself in a brand, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a personal brand, so make it you, right? And, and so that's what I did. I just said, okay, this is streamlining. This is what it means to me. This is how I sit down at the computer. And I don't question, you know, that idea of like, am I portraying, the question of am I portraying what I want to portray? I ask that question, but I never ask, is it portraying to other people anything other than my essence, right? When people come over to my page, it doesn't feel salesy to them. That, and that's the reason people sign up for lessons with me too, is that it's never, it's never sales. It's always, this is who I am. This is how I did it, right? Uh, and I'm going to help you through that. And so that's that's how I kind of go about creating content is I, I hear a lot, you know, I never thought I was good at branding either until people were like, Tara, how? And I was like, <laughs> oh, let me think about how, how? <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I hope that answers that one. No, yeah, I mean, it does. And I think, I think one of the things I was, you spoke to this a little bit, like that I appreciate actually <clears throat> the most about your post is like, there are people that I've also been following for a while who kind of initially started out with a kind of the kind of feel that your feed had. And like, I was really uplifted by them and inspired by them and felt like a kind of kinship with the, the types of things they were talking about. And I think maybe this ties into why I love your coffee chat so much, because like you hit your, like your important points, but you're also speaking from your heart. So it's not like this prepackaged, 
kind of distanced, I'm going to use business speak in my Instagram post where like, I feel like other, other people, you know, their posts started as they like moved into thinking about their branding, got into this space of, I'm going to use uplifting language, but like, but now sign up for my, my, you know, 10 week coaching seminar. And so then like, even when they are trying to be vulnerable, it feels like a sales pitch, which to me like immediately turns me off. Right. You know, and it's like, I'm all about like paying people for their worth. And like, I don't want to just like consume content for free, but at the same time, I don't also want to feel like a personal interaction is an ad. And I feel like you balance that really well. Yeah. So I think, you know, it all goes back to this idea of like, there is branding and, and you can brand your business. And I feel like that is easy, right? Like Nike, you know, uh, like the biggest brands, the Met, you know, like these are brands that's easy. We know they're selling us stuff. So what is the difference if you're a performer or if you're a teacher, Mm -hmm. right? Personal branding. So the place that my branding comes from is my person. It is, it is from me. What colors do I like? Well, I like aqua, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I like teal. I like pink. So I'm gonna put that in my brand, right? I know that people buy from who I am as a human. So I'm going to put that humanistic sense into my brand and my coffee chats, you know, which are now spilled the beans because I'm sassy and I need, I needed a new title. I love, I love uh, that hashtag. <laughs> hashtag spilled the beans. Um, it's like spill the tea because I watch a bunch of YouTube beauty drama. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, so the coffee chats, you know, uh, well, let me say this. I think there's a lot of people that when they turn to branding and they turn to selling, which is something that we all do, whether you think you do or not. If mm-hmm. you're in a show and you say, hey, I'm in the show, come see it, you're selling, right? That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a sales tactic. And people would come because it's you. So I, I think once, like, you got to get past that idea that you're not a salesy person because we're all selling something. Right, right. We're all selling yeah. ourselves. But I think where people get lost to get stuck in is again that idea that your personal life can't integrate with that sales tax- tactic. Mm-hmm. So, Yes, you're in a show. Great. But the coffee chats, they are a reason for you to come because you know me, know, like, and trust, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that people get really stuck in this like safe ball of like, this is my sales tactic. And so like, I don't have to, this doesn't feel vulnerable, right? This doesn't feel vulnerable. So it's less scary Mm -hmm. than to show up on your stories and be like, oh my gosh, I just had this student and they just sang in my dreams from Anastasia and like, holy shit, you know, like that was awesome. Like that is, that is much more scary. And I think as singers, because a lot of our uh, previous lives to the pandemic have been live production and it's in that moment. And when you can move on from that moment, right? You don't, even if you mess up, you just move on from that moment. That room is done. Everybody leaves the room. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But on internet, right? It's there. It's a video. It's something that stays. Even if it only stays for 24 hours, it's like, did I mess that up? Did I, did I say something I shouldn't have, you know, yeah. and you worry about it. So I, I totally get that. And I think there's a lot of mindset work behind it of loving yourself and being so comfortable with who you are. Like, 
you know, I, I was commenting to my best friend the other day, something that I've noticed that I've been doing lately in spill the beans slash coffee chat is I slip into my African-American dialect all the time. That's the way I was raised. That's how I talk to my daddy. That's what I do. You know, so when I get off the phone with daddy and I go do a coffee chat, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, then you show up on your, my page and you're like, oh yeah, she was definitely raised by a black dad. You know I mean? like, like, it's like, oh, oh man, you know, who's this Tara? And so like, I notice I do that, but I also know that that is something that people need from me. They right. have to have that vulnerability and that idea that they can come in and like, I'm just a regular person, just like all y'all, right. y'all can create this the same way. And that's something that I, I have to keep in, in my brand is just that idea that anybody can do it. Right. Anybody can get to this point. And it's not, you know, it's not that I have it all together. It's just that I committed to myself that I love myself enough to show up with my whole self. Hmm. Right. That's amazing. I, I hope to be able to do that one day. I swear. <laughs> I mean, like, but um, what then, like, can you speak to any like challenges that you face by doing that? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to use the most recent example, which was really deciding to show up on my social media as an activist in my public spaces, because uh, I mean, neither of you are friends with me on my personal Facebook, but if you were, you would know my personal Facebook is completely filled with voting and political stuff. And always, 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 anytime there was a police murder, police brutality, really any death of a black person, it showed up on my Facebook feed. And when George Floyd's murder happened and I watched that video and I have a blog on this but I watched that video for eight minutes and in that eight minutes I was like you know what Tara you were raised by a person that told you that you were the difference and that person faced so much in his life and you've got to get out there and share it and it was so scary for me because it did not appear anywhere on my website. My blog was very low key. I wasn't promoting that I was biracial. Um, I wasn't out there being like, y'all, you need to call the Kentucky people and get these dudes in jail. You need to defund the police. You know, like I was not out there being political on my public social medias because I was like, people are going to turn away from me. Mm -hmm. Right. I was so scared of that. I was so scared of losing the 300 followers that I had just gotten in the beginning of the year. And I was like, does it matter? Does it matter if these people follow me? The answer is no, it doesn't matter because the people that came in after that and that have stayed with me, are the people, they're my people, right? Like those are the people that I want. Um, and so showing up in that, that context is still very hard for me because I am still uncovering so many microaggressions that I faced within the music industry mm. from uh, my white family that didn't know they were doing it. But now today I'm like, yeah, you were. And that is a microaggression. Um, to also feel the, because what happens when you open yourself up like that to be a pillar and a gateway 
uh, in the public space is that you, that gateway, <laughs> that gateway is a big one. And I wasn't sure I had the energy to deal with all these white people in my inbox, right? Saying, how do I stay safe? How do I, how do I talk to my boyfriend who's black? How do I, and I was just like, I don't know all the answers. I'm not the expert. I don't know who the hell I think I am. I don't know who the hell I am, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so that's been, that's been the most recent challenge of figuring out how I can integrate that part of myself with my business. And so all my coffee chats now, they end with, you better be doing the anti-racist work. You better Mm -hmm. be making your calls and you better freaking vote, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's, and that's fine. That's the space it shows up in. And then the rest of the week, a lot of times things show up on my story that are just like, hey, you need to do this. Hey, George Floyd's memorial site. They're trying to take it away. Cup foods opened, right? Like these things are happening and they're happening every day. And that is very much my brand to show that, to uncover that. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out that way to make my brand serve me again, a personal brand. Um, and, and that's been, that's been a really interesting one because that is the most vulnerable part of myself, you know, uh, walking into a mostly white space and saying, I'm not white. Mm -hmm. That's scary. Right. (laughs) That is, that is, uh, the most, the thing that I held closest and the thing in the classical world that I was like, I'm never going to let anybody know that I'm biracial, but I had to, because the minute I opened my freaking mouth, they're like, what the hell (laughs) hell is coming out of that? You know? And I'm like, oops, I got the black cords, just not the black skin. And uh, so, so that's been, been the biggest challenge lately of like, how do I keep these people that are following me (laughs) for teacher content or voice content but also be like, I'm, I'm an activist, you know? Right. I mean, and I think like, it's really important that you're doing that work because singers and as teachers, like we're going to interact with people of color. Yep. I think I like really resonated with you when you started sharing about like the fact that you were biracial and you know, how you've struggled, I think with that identity, um, because that's something like I've felt too as you know someone who's half Puerto Rican but is white presenting and I mean and Mm -hmm. and Puerto Ricans in general like there's no one way we look right so like even my abuela who was born in Ponce like I have her coloring Mm -hmm. um so she was a fair-skinned Latina but I feel because I don't speak Spanish fluently and because I don't look Hispanic and I don't have a Spanish last name that you know like there's some kind of imposter syndrome about like Sure. Being raising my yeah. hand and being like, I am in fact a person of color. Yep. I just happen to be on the light end of that spectrum. And like, I don't know how, how you've kind of dealt with that, especially in the music spaces. Um, you know, I sort of, <laughs> I took a passive seat to it the last few months, which was like, I'm going to tell you that I'm biracial and I'm going to let you decide if for you, you put me in the group of people of color. And I have been pleasantly surprised that at a couple, uh, I was in some rehearsals for a, for something that's coming. <laughs> Maybe, we don't know, it's the pandemic. Uh, anyway, we were having, it was really great. We watched some plays that were about people of color and we were having these discussions. And every time that the group split between white and people of color, he would put me in the room with people of color. 
And for me, that was so gratifying because even in that room of people of color, I realized just, and I've realized this before, just how much I identify with that part of my heritage mm-hmm. and just how little I identify with the white part of my heritage. Um, and that's not to say that my mom is not an equal party, you know, because she is. Right. But I mean, you know, I speak like my daddy, I cook like my daddy, I look like my dad, I look exactly like him, I just don't have dark skin. And so I've let people kind of decide that. And but when I decided for myself, when I was like, I will always identify as biracial, I will always show up, I will never not mark black and white if I have the option, you know, uh, was, I was 18 and I was going off to college. My dad, my dad said, if you don't want to mark black, that's okay because Mm. your life's going to be easier. And I said, I told, I said, daddy, I ain't ever going to ignore that part of myself. That that's, that is me. That is my voice, you know? And I didn't know that at the time, but as I, you know, 10 years later, I'm like, Yep. (laughs) You know, my voice is very much, you don't recognize it as Swedish, Norwegian, little Tara, who's the other part of me, you know, like it is not that. And that's okay. That's Mm -hmm. okay. Um, And so embracing my voice has really allowed me to do that. And my, my teacher is a white presenting, uh, I can't remember what country, but Latinx. And, um, you know, we've had this conversation so many times where she's like, yeah, I walk into a room and people are expecting something and it doesn't happen. Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. And then she has to sort of explain like, yes, I have Latinx heritage and that is why my voice sounds this way, right? Mm-hmm. Like our heritage plays so much into our voice that I think the sooner that you accept that, the sooner that you're okay with that vulnerability. And for a long time, I denied it too, you know, but my daddy called me the other day and he said, he said, baby girl, your teacher's been doing a real good job. And I said, why is that daddy? And he said, you finally sound free. You finally sound like the singer I always knew you were Hmm. as you're singing with your black voice. Right. And that is like, that's the biggest compliment (laughs) I've ever had, you know, but also it's coming from so many other people now like, oh, Terry, you sound so good. Oh, Terry, you sound so free. Yeah, because I'm embracing it, right? I'm embracing that biracial heritage and it doesn't matter to me what box you put me in, right? Right. But the point is, the the box that I hope you put me in (laughs) is the middle one Mm -hmm. because that's the statement, right? That I don't have to be one thing. Right. I can be all of these things. Yeah, right. Hey guys, we are so happy to have the Sparkle Twins as our sponsor for this season of My So-Called Opera Life. If you are looking for a mouth mask these days, support these artists in the process by ordering one of their mouth masks made especially with singers and performers in mind. To order yours, visit www.sopranotwins.com shop. Are you at home needing some motivation to practice, like me? Singing Straw is the first reusable and customizable straw phonation tool for singers, speakers, and vocalists that promotes vocal efficiency and reduces tension. Make yourself feel productive and support us today by ordering a Singing Straw and start brushing up on that aria you've been putting off forever. Go to singingstraw.com and use the code MySoCalledOperaLife10, the number 10, to get 10% off of your purchase. You're welcome. 
Behind the Curtain with the Opera Dolls. I'm Jenny. I'm Anna. And I'm Christina. And we're three New York City opera singers that created plush opera singing dolls in order to make opera tangible, relevant, and accessible to all, especially kids. We love opera, you love opera, but why don't our kids? Play some for them, people. We know these plots aren't always kid-friendly, our little mezzo Carmen, quote-unquote the traveler, and all the sopranos that die in the end. Whoops. But let's be real. This art form is super important and has inspired music and society throughout history. Check us out on theoperadolls.com or follow us at The Opera Dolls on Instagram. Hey there, opera fans. I'm Christina, one of the co-founders of The Opera Dolls. I'm here today to talk about our little opera doll, Adele. Her story is the most kid-friendly out of the three dolls we have on our site. Well, that's because Carmen gets stabbed at the end of her opera by her former lover, and Aida chooses to get buried alive with her lover. All Adele does is call out of work to go to a party. In the grand scheme of things, it's really not that bad. If you're wondering how we water down Adele's story for kids, this is what we tell them. Hello, opera fan. I'm Adele, a maid in a fancy house in Vienna, Austria. I get invited to a glamorous New Year's Eve ball and trick my boss into letting me have the night off so I can attend the ball. There's only one problem. My boss is at the same party and recognizes me. Johann Strauss II wrote an opera about my silly evening called Deflator Mouse. In my aria, Mein Herr Marquis, I tease that I am not the person he thinks I am. And that's it. That's all we tell kids. So we don't tell them that Adele ends up hanging out in a prison at the end of the opera in Act 3. And we don't tell them that Rosalind and Alfred have an affair. Now, if you buy your little one an Adele doll and 15 years from now they're inspired to skip school and go to some party in the middle of the day, or even beyond that if they call out of work to go to a party, well, that's a risk we're willing to take. Because you never know, they could be calling out of work or school to attend a performance of Deflator Mouse. Back to my so-called Opera Life podcast. So you talked about your teacher being someone that's helped you like kind of like a mentor. Are there other people? um, Did you seek her out? Like, are there other people in your life, like in social media that you would look up to or that? Yeah. So my teacher is actually really horrible at social media and her website, um, (laughs) which is, she was, she literally the other day, she was like, Tara, um, can you like come up with something that's like a paid something? And can you just fix it all for me? And I was like, what I'm working on teach um so I actually I just happened upon her and we didn't know like anything about each other when I found her and just we've uh, I've been studying from her for about four years now so we're in a very open place to discuss these things and um yeah I'm very I'm extremely grateful to her because I do feel like she finally there I just I will never forget the day where she was just like just fucking sing like Tara right and I was like I don't know what that is. And Mm. she was like, yes, you do. Right. And that was like three and a half years ago. So Mm. it's been a journey uh, with her, but other people on social media, I uh, actually follow, this is really, I'm not promoting multi-level marketing. Okay. (laughs) But, but the thing is the people that are very wealthy in that industry are extraordinarily good at social media. 
And that is why they are where they are. So people that I follow that I really like um, are Erica Sheffer. She's gone off in sort of a weird direction, but that's okay. Her content is still really great. Um, Lindsay Pleviak, who have a podcast called Often Ambitious, um, which is a really great podcast if you're like newly to business, because it's basically like, get out of your own way, goodbye, throw spaghetti at the wall, hope something sticks. So I really love them for that. Um, in the music industry, uh, there, I love Audra McDonald. I love her social media. It just, mm. it's like primetime TV um, for me. Because the thing about Audra that like I love to emulate is again, this authenticity. Audra shows up with her whole self and she's like, I'm going to do this exercise and I'm going to tell you to vote. You know, <laughs> like, and there's no problem with it. it. It's like, whatever. That's who she is. That's what she believes in. Right. And uh, so I love Audra. I, I love my mentor, obviously, Fiona Flay. Otherwise, I wouldn't be working with her. <laughs> um, I think she shows up really creatively. And then as far as like uh, the graphics, if we're going to get into like the nitty gritty stuff of social media, you got to follow Jen Monster 365. This man makes the coolest graphics on Canva right? Like there, I mean, there's so many graphic designers out there that are like, you need Adobe Illustrator and you need Adobe InDesign <laughs> and you need all these fancy products, all of which I have, by the way, all of my content is created on Canva. I much prefer it. It's easier. Uh, makes your life a little bit, <laughs> it just streamlines your life uh, and it builds the grids for you and everything. But uh, Jen Monster 365, he has the coolest things. And actually tomorrow, uh, which is the Friday, what is tomorrow? Friday the 21st? Yeah. Uh, he is dropping his like video story, which is going to be like a series of one minute storytelling something uh, onto his feed for his 5,000 follower celebration, which I'm jazzed about. Um, so he is really awesome. Um, and he's someone that I know of through Fiona as well. Um, and what I love, I should say a little bit more about Fiona. What I love about her social media is not only like her feed, which is very much, uh, very blunt <laughs> forward. It's like, I think her post the other day was like, you're the reason you're not charging enough, essentially, you know, which is true. Right. You're the only one that decides what you charge. But then in her stories, she is so giving, to other platforms in her stories. So she's constantly sharing other artists, other musicians, other people. And she's like, go follow them. Here's something to say. Um, and, and also the reason I, I absolutely fell in love with her was because during the Black Lives Matter, like kind of blow up, she was like, I'm passing the mic. I don't know this and I need to do it. And um, that was such a vulnerable place for such a popular business mentor to mm -hmm. be in. And uh, that that was what hooked me on that. So I, I love I love following them. Um, yeah, those are the people that I sort of. You had mentioned multi, multi-level, sorry, I don't even know. Multi-level marketing. Yeah, yeah pyramids, know. pyramid schemes. Yeah, <laughs> is that what that is? I don't even know. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's direct sales, multi-level marketing, pyramid schemes. Um, the, 
they pray. That's the thing. Like, you know, it, well, it's a lot like opera, right? Where you have to pay for your stupid audition um, and you mm-hmm. have to pay for your internship and you have to pay for all of these things. So, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing in multi-level marketing where they're just preying on these, right, the lowest income or the lowest tier and the highest tier makes the money. But the highest tier, why do people keep signing up with them? Because they're good at social media. No like trust. trust. No like and trust. It all goes back to this. When you know those people, when you feel like they're your best friend, right? I follow this other, there's a boutique, Nanomax boutique, which if you follow my social media, y'all know I love Nanomax. Y'all know I love me some Nanomax. I'm wearing Nanomax today. I love Nanomax. It is my favorite thing. But their social media is so different because every single model has their own Instagram. You can message these people and be like, hey, I need to know, like my hips are about your size. What size would you wear in these pants? It's ingenious. No like and trust. They go live every single day. And actually one of their models follows me. Like her name is Amy and I love her to death. But we're like the same person worlds away from each other. And we just, you know, every once in a while we just get in little conversations online and she'll pop up in my stories or something like, and it's great. It's great having that human contact through a screen. So it all goes back to that know, like, and trust. Uh, We have to know you in order to feel like we should buy from you, right? Right. I like that. We have to know you. I love it. So you've always been able to show up. I I mean, I can like feel your like warmth and like just (laughs) openness just immediately, honestly. And I know that contributes to you being great at this arena, but um, I think it's starting to shape a little bit into something bigger, like what, um, how has it affected, you know, your work and the trajectory of your work and where is it going to lead to? Yeah. So I have been, I just talked about this in Spill the Beans yesterday. I've really been struggling with this lately because there's a lot of people out there that see me as a lot bigger than I think I am. Right. Like people are like, Tara has her shit together. Like she's, she's doing big things, blah, 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 blah. And I am like, I, I, I acknowledge I'm doing big things. I do more than, than a lot of people. And I'm very far in my life for being my age. I mean, I'm only 29. Like I've, I've done it, you know, <laughs> I, I, this, my, I've got my studio. Um, and so what I was talking about yesterday on Spill the Beans is this idea of growing quickly. And I was telling Fiona the other day, because I took this massive step in my business, which I've never, I'm going to say it here. I've never invested in my business. I actually, the only thing that I've ever bought for my business was this piano. And I bought it at a discount store (laughs) for like 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Like this thing was dirt cheap and it's lovely and I love it. And it's like my favorite thing, but you know, I had never, I didn't have any startup costs. I didn't um, pay a whole bunch of money for a building. I, I obviously we've all paid for voice lessons and like things like that, but I didn't invest in that side of myself. So just recently I, I have really begun investing in the idea that this is going to be a big thing. And so I have probably spent $10,000 in the last few months, which is a lot of money, right? But I'm like looking at my growth and it halfway scares me because I gained on social media without doing a whole lot of things, like no social media strategy, nothing, just like showing up. (laughs) I gained like 300 followers in the span of 
five months. It was insane. And so this kind of pathway that I'm on of this quick growth, it makes me feel like I am, like I can't land. And so something that has always been a part of me is this groundedness. Like I know where I'm going. I know what's happening and let's do it. You know, that's the eight side of me is like, you're going to implement it, Tara, whether you like it or not, right? Like you're just going to go. And so because I don't have this place to land because I don't have my grounding, I'm like, oh no, what do I do? What do we do now? Um, So uh, the, the beautiful thing about Fiona and the reason that I am investing in her is the other day uh, we were on a call and she was like, there, you have to stop putting a ceiling on yourself. Mm. There is no ceiling for you and the world needs to hear you. And I have always thought that was such a stupid thing. Like the world needs to hear you. Like how freaking cocky, right? Like whatever. But that wasn't the first time I'd heard that. Mm-hmm. When I was in grad school, one of my very best friends now, who I just met, she goes, this is where Audrey McDonald comes in again. She goes, hey, Tara, um, you sort of sound like Audrey McDonald. And also, um, 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 the world should hear your voice, like everything about you. So, that was, so Fiona's comment was not the first time I'd heard that comment. Um, so I have now, <laughs> as of like, yesterday slash this month, uh, I made a list of 10 year goals last year and I made Mm -hmm. a a big hairy audacious goal. My big, ready for it. It sounds really silly now, but to be known and respected and sought after in my community as a voice teacher and as a performer. Well, here I am today with three performing gigs in the middle of the pandemic, a full studio, a blog, social media that is activism and also teaching people things, which is what I love. Um, and so I've met, I've met that goal. I've met a lot of my, my larger goals, my income goals, like, and, you know, cause I think, I think in music, we all put kind of a cap on what we can make, right? It's like, as a teacher, you can sort of make like 25 to 30,000, right? And then maybe like, if you add another admin thing, you might be at 50,000 or whatever. Like there's, there's definitely like a low income cap. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I've met a lot of those goals. And so I'm like, what's next? And it is the thing it's right here. It's, it's literally on my wall on a post-it note. And it's something that I've thought about for years and years and years. And I used to just call it teaching teachers how to teach, but uh, this says coach creators on how to successfully find their power or find their voice via empowerment. And what mm-hmm. do I mean by voice? I mean, your teaching philosophy. I mean, your actual singing voice. I mean, your voice on social media. I mean, your blog, your YouTube. I mean, all of that because everyone has a voice and they need to be heard. They need to use that voice because mm-hmm. that's the way that change happens, right? That That is it. And so, no, I am not creating like a cult <laughs> or anything like that. Like, <laughs> like, no, but- that's what, like the first time I wrote that down, I was like, Tara, that sounds like a cult and people are going to follow you. And then they're going to like turn into these little baby activists. And then parents are going to be like, why are you training my kid to like vote uh-huh. for activism and go out and protest? Um, whatever, but no, that's not, that's not what I'm yeah, getting yeah, yeah. So, so that's where I'm sort of turning that ship is I am building a couple programs that it's like, okay, for the, for the teachers that are already established that are like, Hey, 
I just, I, it's too much. I don't know how to do the ad and I don't know how to simplify it because that's something that I'm, I'm really good at computers. Thanks dad. Um, he was a computer programmer. So like, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my second nature. And then the other thing is really, truly building like a coaching program that is for those that haven't started or those just coming out of college that are like, there's no money in music. I don't know how to get there. I don't know what to do. Right. I don't know where right. to turn, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's the direction that it's going. And I'm hoping that there, uh, I'm hoping Fiona's right, that there isn't a ceiling, uh, because I'm really, I'm really very excited for this work every time, like my post yesterday, I was like, oh yeah, Terry, you got it. Like you, you give yourself a little pep talk. That was going, that was going, you know, like, like, it's like, oh yeah, this is the stuff that I should have been doing five years ago, you know, instead of like twiddling my thumbs and being like, I don't, I don't know what to do, but I don't want anybody else to feel that way. I don't want anybody else to come out of grad school and be like, I literally learned nothing with the $200,000 that I just put into my education. Right. 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 I mean, well, I think it speaks to like two really important things. First of just like, it's very powerful to recognize that our anxiety, particularly as singers, often leads us to silence the very thing that makes us singers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like whether we've actually articulated or not that I have something to say and I want the world to hear it. Why else are we singing? Right. right. And like our impo- like imposter syndrome and the toxicity in our own industry, like makes so many of us silence the very thing that we're trying to cultivate our voices, right. you know, in whatever realm that takes. But it's also interesting because you were Um, as you were talking about like gaining followers and this, that, and the other thing is like, there was like the cynical part of me. So my, my family is like very capitalist for better or for worse. And so like, I definitely grew up with this mindset of just like, oh, well, you know, dollars and cents, dollars and cents, money is what equals success, you know? And like, there's a part of me too, that's always just like, well, even if I get 5,000 followers on Instagram, what is that going to mean for me financially? But what I'm hearing from you, that's really powerful is this like, you know, you hope it makes you money, but like, you're so excited by the work itself and by the connection with people that like, that's payment too. Right. Yeah. The community is my, is my payment. Right. And I, I like you, my mom is very much the same way. Like if you don't make money, you're nothing. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't have a, if you don't got a big house, if you don't got, if you don't got gold, if you don't got diamonds, you're nothing. Right. You, you haven't succeeded. You failed. And, um, when I went to quit my studio job, I called my mom and I had made, this is the big thing. I have come to a place where like, I'm making these decisions without the input of other people, right? Um, self-inspiration, self-trust, self-love, self-whatever you want to call it. Um, I called her and I said, mom, do you think I can do this? Do you think I can make money on my own? And she was like, (laughs) she goes, baby girl, you can do whatever you set your mind to and you can make money doing it, right? And so, yes, is it about dollars and cents? Absolutely. Right, because you still have to pay Absolutely. your mortgage. <laughs> right, you still got to pay your mortgage. But Instagram and Facebook and social medias, they can be so much more. Like, have I gotten leads on Instagram? Absolutely. Do I have those people in my studio? Absolutely. Do I talk to a whole bunch of people on social media that are like, Tara, can you give me this? sure, but you're going to pay for it. You know what I mean? Like that, that does happen. It is a portion of it, but the, the larger repayment of that is like, when you say what you want to say, and you get that person in your inbox, that is like, that resonated with me today. Thank you so much. Or 
is willing to share their story. There's this girl that shares her story with me just privately. I'm not going to share any of it now, but she wrote me pages upon pages of things because I got up there and I was like, I am a white facing biracial woman and I'm damn proud of it. Right. Like that's fine. That is the way it is. And that's who I am. And she was like, I got it. I get it. Here's my story. And then she posted about it, like not the whole story, but the portion that she was comfortable with. And that's everything, you know, that's to inspire others. You know, there's this other girl that asked, I, I interviewed her to try to figure out what my program is going to be. Um, but she went out and we talked about brand colors and she went out and she released them like a week later. That's the most gratifying feeling, you know, is to see these other people succeeding and that community just continue to grow. Right. And I don't need the credit for it. That doesn't matter. It's just, that's it, you know? Right. Well, and I think it too, like, again, it like ties back to what we do with our voices and like intrinsically want to do with our voices. Like, I think like the most powerful realization for me as a small child was recognizing that there was something special that happened when I sang that opened up an opportunity for change in other people. And that's so powerful. And it's like not coming from a place of, I can manipulate people into doing what I want, but rather like, this created space for them to get in touch with themselves in a way that they hadn't before and to see possibilities that they hadn't thought about before. And that's just like so deeply rewarding and deeply powerful because then it's, then it's about like, but, and not either, or, and it's about us together, lifting each other up and not me against everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And my, you know, even my money memories, a lot of my money memories are, are tied to, tied to music. One of the memories that I shared on my Facebook, and I don't remember if I shared it on my Instagram, but I did on my Facebook, my personal Facebook is when I was in high school and Katrina happened, right. And that affected a lot of black and brown people. And a lot of them came to Omaha. I don't know what it is about Omaha, but like <laughs> people come to Omaha, man. I'm like, we are in the middle of the United States. Please leave. Um, <laughs> like, yikes, not the best place. Um, but so they would come to the, you know, they'd come there and they were refugees. And I went to my choir director because again, like as much as I was like, I'm not an activist. I'm not an activist. I don't want to do that. Like, not, I don't want to do this, but like, I'm not an activist. There's other people out there that are activists. I'm not that. But when I look back on it, what did I do during Katrina? I went to my choir director and I was like, hey, can we have a benefit concert, you know? And at that benefit concert that I helped organize, I, I'll never forget this. And it's, it's probably the reason that I am so giving and so willing to like be, be what I am. My, I, the concert was done and there was this gentleman, this African-American guy, and um, he was standing there with his family and my dad gave me a hundred dollar bill. And he said, you go give this to that man. You walk up to that man and you just give it to him and you tell him, thank you. And I did it. And that man, you know, and I think we all know sort of that masculinity, that almost toxic masculinity of like, I can't take money, right? I got to work for the money. And that Mm -hmm. is so ingrained in the black community is like, we don't want to take like we don't want your charity we want equality right and um 
bless that man because he looked at my dad and and he gave him a little head nod and there was a tear rolling out of his eye and he just said thank you and I walked away and I'll never forget that and that's probably like exactly where everything started building um but it is that it is the it's the ability to move with more than your voice and to open the hearts of more people you can reach people in a live audience, but you're never going to reach as many people as you reach on the internet. Right. Like yeah. that's, that's a big thing. And if you can reach through that screen and you can touch their hearts, that's, that's it. That's, that's what I want everybody to be able to do. There's yeah. so many people that are like, they just block themselves. You know, it's like, I have to be this. No, you don't. Like I got everything I've ever wanted yeah. and I'm just me, <laughs> you know, and you are enough too. Like that's, that's the message is you are enough to be yourself. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. This has been great. Happy to do it. Thank you guys. You're amazing. Uh, Well, you're amazing too. (laughs) I'll, I'll give you a. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please give us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen. You can also follow and share our posts on Facebook at My So-Called Opera Life or Instagram at MSCOL Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.